when I am tapped in and tuned in and in my practice, everything around my business comes with ease too, because I know what decisions to make. And if I get caught up in the idea of something else, like success for the reason of success, or I'm struggling uphill, not listening to the signs that are kind of around telling me to go another direction, and I lose that spiritual aspect of building the business, then it's super hard. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So we expanded our mission. We are an intuition-led, wellness-focused lifestyle podcast that promises to deliver authentic conversations, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in optimism, growth, and intention. The Almost 30 Nation community is a group of purposeful dreamers who are smart, passionate, and always seeking the full potential in every aspect of their lives. At Almost 30, we're making magic together. We dream it, and then we do it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Hi, guys. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome back to Almost 30 Podcast. We are so glad you're here. Mm -hmm. So glad. Truly. (laughs) Sometimes I forget they're here. I know. know I I actually really do. (laughs) Every time they're like, you know that one time you said, I'm like, no. Sometimes I laugh because I think about... so. Someone tagged us in a video the other day. I think it was Fleur in um, London. And she was listening to one of our episodes, walking through the most beautiful field in like the countryside of of England. (laughs) And I was just like, what weird shit are we talking about right now? And she's in the most beautiful place. (laughs) I know. And sometimes they'll they'll be cooking dinner or something. Oh, it's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. They're cooking dinner. There's a lot of walkers. We've been talking about that, but there's a lot Mm -hmm. of podcast walkers. Totally. Could be dangerous on the road. Yeah. Depends. Yeah. I was laughing hard the other day at something. I was like, I can't open my eyes. I know. <laughs> That's a good thing. Um, if you're new to the podcast, Almost 30 started as um, a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s that Lindsay and I were having mm-hmm. when we felt like we were super lost and we should have all the answers and we didn't. So we bring on resources and experts in health, wellness, spirituality, entrepreneurship spaces and try and keep things super light, super funny. Yeah, we're just super relatable. Learning along with you. <laughs> we yeah. don't know anything. True, truly. <laughs> so if you feel like you don't know anything, you're not alone. And yeah, we just have created, I don't even know if we've created, it's just a, f- a community is formed and you all have, you've really created it all over the world. Women all over the world, connecting with one another, supporting one, one another, laughing, you know, helping heal one another by conversations. It's been really beautiful to witness and we're just honored to be a part of it. There was a crazy email the other day. Um, We got some pretty profound emails. so crazy though. I was like, man, if we were selling like a product or a service, we should put this on our sales funnel page. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, all of our listeners are like copywriters in their own right. Yo, that's the fucking truth. <laughs> it's so beautiful. You beautiful, all are so beautiful. Dude, that is the, that's actually the truest of truths. Any letters or any letters, any emails that we get or even reviews are just like so artfully crafted. So it's crazy. The vocab is on point. They're touching. So Sierra, <laughs> Sierra said, 
I wanted to tell you girls how you have completely changed my life. I've listened to all your podcast episodes in the past nine months and you've given me the confidence to branch out and really be myself. In the past couple of months, I went from making $18,000 a year to being able to make five figures, five figure months and set myself up for Damn. a six figure year income. Da, 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 da. That is insane. I'm like, how? What? <laughs> I mean, it's... It, you know, I know exactly what she's saying. It's not like we have podcasts on like how to make a six figure income, exactly. but like, I think you have it right, Sierra, in that, you know, taking care of yourself is such a huge part of being an entrepreneur yeah. and finding success and building meaningful relationships Can in your great, business world. We do have great entrepreneurial Oh, for sure. Podcasts. I'm just saying like, we're not touting that like, you can go from yeah. five figures to six <laughs> figures. Totally. <laughs> can you imagine if that was our tagline? Because line? we're not there yet. So <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? That, I know that's, that's why I think that that email was particularly funny. It was so beautiful and poignant, but it was just like, this is the thing that most people that are selling things want. That's, yeah. that's the kind of feedback that they want. And mm -hmm. it's just funny that we get it and we're not, you know- Not even going for that's, it. It's, it's, uh, the goal is for people to be better and feel better and to support one another in a more kind way for people to be themselves. So it's funny that that's like a product totally, of that, you know? Totally, but good for you, girl. Damn. Yeah, damn. <laughs> Come on. Teach us your ways. Honestly. Yeah, so thanks to you all. We really- uh, we're on tour now and it's just a great reminder every few weeks when we are in a new city that this thing is much bigger than Krista and I. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think, I don't know, easier is the word, but like, it's just more fulfilling to serve something that isn't about us. Yeah, <laughs> I know? mean, a hundred percent, you know? Because we're doing enough work on ourselves. Honestly, it's painful. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's honestly getting it's old. so intense. It's getting old. I was, I had that session yesterday, yeah. which I can talk about in another podcast, Yeah. but the past life regression, I did a past life mm, regression yesterday and I was just like, dude, I'm over fucking self-development work. <laughs> Not over it. I just was like, I was sitting there and I'm like, this is so hard. It seems so fluffy at points because there's such a part of self-development and uh, the self-development space or the self-improvement space mm. that is very soft and you know, self-love is such a big aspect of that. And with self-love is self-care. So it can be the bubble baths and all that really juicy, beautiful things. But the real work is the part that is hard and the part that you, the parts of you that you don't want to look at. Yeah. So it's like, every time I'm just like, God damn it. Like you think that you're fine and you think that you're on a path at one point, you know, cause you're living a life where you have these uh, systems set up where you're validated in the ways that, you know, you seek. But it's like, dude, I'm just like, I thought, and sometimes too, there's a lot of things with people, you know, in our age and our demographic, I guess, women that I'm around and that I see that have their, their work to do. And sometimes I hear them say their work and I identify with it, but then I don't know if it's fully mine. And I, and not saying that I don't have work because I have tons, but, but sometimes I take on everyone's work and I'm assumptive of everyone's work. And I don't know mm. clearly what my mm. work is. And it feels overwhelming because it feels like so much. I feel that very much. I think that, well, one, we're just in a place on earth where there's just so much, so many resources to do the work and it's hard to discern which one is for us. Yeah. But then it's also for me, my brain goes to the comparison of like, oh my God, they're doing that modality and it's helping them do this. Maybe I should be doing that. It's like yeah. never enough. And I've been really wanting to just like simplify 
what I've been doing, yeah. you know, and I've been like looking at the books around. I have a lot of books and they're all like yeah. spirituality and self-help and like all this stuff and which is beautiful. But I, I, I want maybe like a, right now, a, a, a fluff novel, a fiction novel. Totally. You know what I mean? Yes. Because I think I, I do live in my head normally. So to think about all of these things that I have, I should be doing quote unquote is actually driving me into more therapy. You know what I mean? 100%. And therapy is so helpful. It's actually the one thing that I'm like, Oh, okay. But just thinking about all the things that I think I should be doing actually gives me more anxiety. And I know a lot of you out there relate because we brought it up in the group. It's just like, and we're at the forefront of, of giving you these, you know what I mean? So there's like this feeling of, yes, we want to tell you all about everything, but I also want you to know that we also have to discern what's best for us too. We're not, we're doing it all at least once and then discerning, hopefully. But and hopefully digesting fuck. it so it's easy for you to understand. Yeah. I think that's a lot of the benefit of podcasts and the beauty of podcasts is that there can be a book where we bring the person on the pod, on the podcast. I'll say that for the 80th time, but, and we're just, just like, distilling down the information so you can take what you want and leave the rest. But that's why I don't read self-help books anymore because it's too much of a to-do list for mm -hmm. me. It becomes something where I feel like I have more to do. I have more work. And that's why I watch trash YouTube because mm -hmm. I can think about like, oh my God, Jake Paul drove a Lamborghini into the pool again. And instead of like, oh, I need to actually think about, yeah. you know, harnessing my love for my inner child to better my relationship with myself now. You know, it's just yeah. too deep sometimes. Totally. That's why I watch like meerkats in Africa. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it, it's also happening. I, I do think we need to allow, because people think I'm in my thirties. I really need to figure this out before I get married, before I have kids, before I go into the next season of my life. And I just think we need to honor the time that it's going to take and the time it's going to happen in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if I think about my parents, granted, you know, they didn't have these resources and conversations happening, but, you know, they're learning something later in life and it's kind of beautiful. I'm like, cool. You know what I mean? Wow. So like, maybe I, I'm forcing something now that's not supposed to be learned. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, is that once you get one thing down, there's another one waiting for you. Mm -hmm. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I'm like, everyone just keep that door closed for a little bit. <laughs> one at a time. Jesus yeah. Christ. I think it's about, for me at least, more like, and it sounds cheesy, but it is like more playing. So when I want to like maybe do one of those things or read one of those yeah. things. It's like, well, maybe it's just like really easy and we just totally. like do something that's more playful and I'll find the, for lack of a better term, healing in that rather than like mulling over, like you said, the fact that yeah. like my attachment issues are based in whatever. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> and then you like, and for, but for me, it's like, I like to intellectualize everything. So like, that's like my whole shtick is like intellectualizing my emotions, you know, so those books and those self-help things help me to do that. And I don't need to be doing that more than I do because I will have an emotion and then I'll intellectualize it. And then because I have a, a solution to why that emotion is happening, I won't allow myself to feel it instead of just feeling it, right. you know? So yeah, who knows? Completely. Dark days. Over here. <laughs> <laughs> we were, kidding. I have been loving lately. I mean, I do try to like curate my feed, but, uh, 
John Wineland's been hitting me hard lately. If you guys are OGs, you've listened to the John Wineland episodes. And if you have not listened to the Almost 30 podcast, John Wineland episodes, they are incredible. They're about femininity, masculinity, the divine feminine, uh, romantic relationships, sexual relationships. And they've been one of our most popular episodes. Yes. But he is John underscore Wineland on Instagram. If you want to follow him, his videos have been freaking, he's just been doing more videos. So it's, it's nice to see he's been doing men's workshops, women's workshops together, all of the above. But there was this one video and I wanted to play it. He actually calls someone out for sleeping in the middle of it. So just ignore that. But he was talking about like letting feeling like the love running through you is like that divine force. I think sometimes, and I'm just speaking for myself, but maybe you out there can relate. Like when love runs through through you for someone or in a certain situation, it's so intense that it like, I don't know if scares you is the right word, but you don't know how to like channel it. And you're almost like judgmental of it being too much too soon, or you are looking at it from the lens of the other person, which how could you, cause you're not them and you think it should be a certain way rather than just allowing it to move through you naturally. For sure. So here we go. Arguments will continue to be that you will pull the best from any man by bringing, <laughs> by not withholding the truth of your heart, which I would call love. So whatever's going through your heart, you know, we, def- we, we define love as this, you know, kind of gooey, I'm going to, Leo, I'm going to come over there and smack you if you close your eyes again, okay? Gooey, devotional, worshipy kind of thing, and that's love. But no, love, it's what's coming for the feminine, it's what's coming through your heart. That's how I would like to define it. And that means whatever's coming through your heart, fear, um, shame, rage, anger, given with a heart open it occurs to them as love. It, it's nourishment for them. And I know you all still probably don't believe me on this, but it's mm-hmm. true. And it just takes a ridiculous amount of courage to keep bringing it and keep bringing it and keep bringing it and keep bringing it until they pop. I'm sure you've had an argument. Haven't you guys had an argument like where you know, you're crying and screaming and, and you're so upset that you can't help but reveal the truth of your heart and all of a sudden something deeper shows up in them. Have you guys all had that experience? Mm. Yeah. Right? That's, that's what happened in that moment. I'm just arguing that it can happen a lot more and it could happen with some intention and some consciousness. And the intention I want you to leave here with is revealing my heart, Right? Revealing the truth of my heart and amplifying that truth will bring the best out of the masculine. Hey, yo. Love that. My- yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know what I was thinking of? <laughs> when we had our first, first soul cycle ride. <laughs> Real quick. Oh, yo, so our first first event for Almost 30 Podcasts, like two and a half years This ago. better have to do with the divine love flowing through your it goddamn heart. It has heart. to do with us playing too long of a quote. That was a that was incredible and it was perfect. It was IGTV. It was it needed to be longer. Yeah. But uh, so we had our first event, our souls like a ride two and a half years ago, and we were like made this special quote thing. It was like an entire. It was like five I made a cheesy long. like intro, and everyone in the class was like, "Oh my god, what's going on?" Because it was like during a ride. Anyways, that was 
First of all, I'm telling the girl to wake up. Oh, it was a guy. Oh, Leo, I'm going to come over there and smack you if you fall asleep oh, again. Obviously, it wasn't a girl. Damn it. <laughs> it's funny when he says that, like about the full capacity of of the woman's emotions. It is, but I do, and I guess my thing is, I do wonder men's ability to hold that. Well, I think that's kind of his point. Is that when you bring it, he a man is can hold it? I don't know if the point is that he's going to hold it. I think it's like the, uh, this is what I'm getting from it, where it's like the exposure to it and the energy behind it. You know, if you are arguing or saying something forceful with an open heart, it's a different energy than resentment and a closed heart and pushing them away. I think it will, it will garner a different response. I don't know if they'll, it might take them, a little practice to be able to hold it in the way that you feel good about. But I do think it's going to elicit a different response. Yeah. It's an open. It's an open. It's it's a conversation. It's like the subtext of it is like, like how dare you? Cause I fucking love you so much. You know what I mean? It's like, there's like love as the subtext, the whole expression of it. But like, Ooh, it's, I, I would think it's like harder. Dude, I don't know how to do that harder than it sounds. I don't know how to have like a rage with an open heart. Huh? Well, yeah. Yeah. I I know what she's talking about, but I don't know if I can do it. Yeah. Because there always is, there always is, or there seems to be like, if I think back, because I have been obviously out of the game for a little bit, but if I think back to my old relationship, like when I would get so mad, it would usually be like part of the purpose would be to teach him a lesson. And that's true. You know what I mean? So maybe it's like releasing that. Yeah. And it's more about just like expressing fully and honestly what's actually going on rather than tacking on like, well, I got to teach him so I can't be loving right now. Like he's got to know. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, there's there is like uh the vul- I think it's the vulnerability there. Yeah. That really gives it. Completely. And the vulnerability and the opportunity for him to kind of show up too. Yeah. I just yeah, I haven't I haven't had a fight like that too and and you know, I haven't in years where it's been like that passionate mm-hmm. type of thing. I used to fight like that, but I always wonder if that was like my own emotional manipulation. Yeah. Sometimes I would like go there emotional. And this is kind of me in my head. Maybe this is right. Maybe it's wrong, but I'm like, I wonder if I was just emotionally manipulating them by like going to the extreme so that they would like concede with everything that I wanted. <laughs> but you were also a different person then. hundred, you know, hundred, so. but you know, and this could be true. It could be not you know, I'm probably not giving myself enough credit, but it just is like something I think about because I do think that for a lot of men, they don't have that same emotional range. Mm-hmm. So if you go super high, they're most likely going to meet you somewhere. Yeah. You know, maybe I had an open heart. Uh, who knows? Maybe it was <laughs> maybe, open-hearted. Maybe I was crazy. Maybe, my, yeah, maybe I was crazy and I was open-hearted. I'm dating someone now and I don't, I'm going to take the, who told us not to talk about your relationship on the podcast if they're new. So I'm really not going to talk too much about it, but it's- Don't ask us questions. Don't ask. Don't write in. Your letters are going to go in the the fire. Don't set me up on any other dates. (laughs) But I will say just because I think, you know, a lot of people experience it where- you know, it's the beginning and you're feeling all the feelings and they're like rushing in because I haven't had them rush in in a very long time. And I'm like, whoa, it's like literally like, 
I almost don't want them to rush in this fast. It's not fast. It's actually been quite steady, but like I feel a lot in initially or all the time. So it's, there is a balance of like allowing it to come through and expressing it because I've, if I hold it back, then I resent the fact that I can't express it when, when he doesn't even know this is going on. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't know that I want to express all these things. So I start to resent him for my inability to just express this hasn't happened. I'm just saying this is kind of a pattern that I've noticed about myself. So I really am now very aware of, you know, expressing that, I'm going to just call it love for, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's so early. I'm not saying that way, but it's like, you just feel something for that person. So allowing it to come through organically and have it grow steadily and have him receive that. Sometimes I would like pull back. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, they're not ready to receive it. And I'm just like, I need to give them enough credit that they are able to receive it and want to. Maybe maybe the reaction will be weird. Maybe they'll like be like, oh, okay. And then like process it at another yeah. time. But I'm not going to hold back and then be resentful because I'm holding back. So I think it's the pacing too. It's like, you're, mm-hmm. it's not like you're holding back, but it's like, you know, when it's appropriate, you're engaging with that. Yeah. And you're giving that, you know, yeah. and like- yeah. It's, it's been a great amount of time. So it's like, it's, but that's what's the hardest. Dating is so fun. And that's what's so hard is you never know. Mm-hmm. One hour you're like, yes, this is on and popping. They just texted me, da, 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 da. And then the next day you're like, oh, wow. Yes. I, I mean, no emojis last night. Literally. Shit's that's, the, that's the beginning of dating and it's and it's so bizarre. But I will say with this, it just, there's not too much of that feeling. And it's, I'm conditioned with the other. Yeah. So I'm conditioned to have it be like up, down, all around, da, 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 yes. da, da. And this is really steady. So I'm like, where's the up, down, all around? Know, <laughs> like, I'm like, give me the ride. But it's actually- creating it. This is what I have wanted and, and all of that. So it's yeah. like- The healthy. The healthy. So yeah, I was talking to a friend the other day. She's like, Lens, that's healthy. And she had a similar experience. She's like- when I met so-and-so, which is who she's with and married to now, she's like, it was just kind of easy and chill. I was like, oh, okay. I'll chill. I'll chill. But yeah, it feels good. But yeah, I know a lot of girls in the group are either in relationships. I mean, it runs the gamut of like just getting out of relationship, just starting to date again. And I think, you know, stepping into the new territories can just feel Oh, so overwhelming. So we feel you. This is the best though. Listen to John Wineland. Yeah, it's so fun. It's so fun. So fun. You get to daydream. Oh yeah. And girls do it very well. daydreaming. Daydreaming's the best. You daydream. I do. You totally do. But it's just fun when you first start dating. It's like you like, they the first time he holds your hand and you Mm -hmm. think about you like leave the next morning. You're like, I remember just like sitting at my cube. I'd be like, oh man. I remember when he held my hand. You know, you just yeah. think about that. It's so fucking sweet. The little moments. Yeah. It's so you cute. You know, the first time you kiss, the first time they hold your hand, the first time they called you babe, the first time like mm-hmm. all that little stuff is just like such a joy. 
I see the wave of coming where it's going to be like the first time. No, <laughs> for you, like for babies. No, yeah, like yeah, for like oh, marriage for and sure. babies, where you're just like, oh my, like you see him like hold your baby for the first time. You're just like, ah! <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. It's like those. <laughs> someone, oh my god, we had we had a friend's baby that was like a being a teeny. It was a beanie baby. She was like. <laughs> It was like I will four, never birth a beanie baby. It was four months old. And Justin's like, how old is he? Like two? I was like, oh, fucking bless. Bless. That's my baby daddy. He's like, should we send him to kindergarten? Honestly. Kindergarten he's next like, year? is he walking yet? <laughs> Can he slam dunk yet? Oh, shit. Oh, man. Anyway, follow John underscore Wyland. Yes. We love him so much. Okay. Announcements. So... We are on tour. I hope you guys know, and we would love for you to join us. We have cities coming up, Nashville, Miami, New York, uh, Chicago, um, Washington, DC, Philadelphia. And we have live shows happening in New York and LA. And we would love to see you on tour. So go to our website, almost30podcast.com. You can find all the information there. And our retreat is sold out. So we are excited to see our ladies there and we will keep you guys posted if there is um, more information on that coming up. And then we are working on exciting things for Your Podcast Pro. So Your Podcast Pro was created to give uh, people all the resources that we wish we had when we started our podcast. So we will be launching something very, very exciting for that in the next couple months. Yeah, we can't wait to share that with you. We know a lot of you are starting podcasts and all the things are up-leveling with your current podcast. So we're here for you. All right. Our guest today, we are really excited. So honored. This has been a long time coming. We've been a fan of Rachel Braven's for a long time now and have always just really respected her and held her as like someone that we respect in the social media space and a human on this planet. Yeah. She's one of those people again, like Kat Sadler recently where I had everything I've seen from her and read from her became very clear when we spoke on the phone. So it was like, I always had these memories of, of her you know, yoga girl, her Instagram page, her books, everything like that and, and consuming it and reading it and thinking she was so special and so clear and so pure and just in the perfect position for this role in her life, for people to look up to her, for her to be a voice for many. And it was just funny to, to connect, connect the dots in my brain, you know, of everything like that. And then be on the phone with her, talking to her uh, for the podcast. Yeah. And she has a new book coming out, which is so incredible. It's called To Love and Let Go. It's a memoir of love, loss, and gratitude. And really the message is around the importance and accepting the changes that come in life. It's about cherishing our memories, but also being able to really let them go as we step into our future. So she is one that is so articulate and elegant and just real. I loved... we. We, we spoke to her over Zoom. She's in Aruba and it was just so beautiful to connect with her even in that way. We have, you know, obviously we love in person, but it doesn't matter with her. She was just so connected and present and her daughter is just the sweetest. Oh my gosh. Her daughter is a pure, a pure little peanut. She's the sweetest. So if you go to Rachel's Instagram, you can see her beautiful daughter there. We talked a lot about vulnerability, being vulnerable online her life now with her daughter, her healing process, 
and just so much more. You yeah. know, I'm really excited to share this interview with you. We're really excited to be, have this be shared with Rachel's community and just to be connected with someone as amazing as that. I know that she shouted us out on one of her episodes recently on the podcast and there was so many of you that contacted us because of that. So we are excited to um, kind of merge these communities and do more together. You can visit yogagirl.com for all things yoga girl. So she has yoga teacher training. She has uh, yoga practices, her shop, which is full to the brim of, you know, t-shirts and whatnot. And then her book as well, you can pre-order. So yogagirl.com. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. We love you. Can't wait to meet you in yes, person one day. Cannot wait. <laughs> Enjoy this episode. Share with your friends. That really means a lot to us. Honestly, that's how we've grown is just by word of mouth, period, the end. So thank you again for rating and reviewing. We're going to read a review on the other side of this episode. We read every one of them and take them to heart. So thank you for sharing your thoughts. Yes, we love you. Enjoy this episode. Mm. Oh, well, we jump right in. Um, we're so excited to have you. As Krista said, we've just admired you from afar for a very long time. Um, and our community is, you know, are big fans of yours. And you have really inspired not only their yoga practice, but just their their daily lives and how they take care of each other and and manage their energetic cups and just you know, as women, I think we give so much. And so how do we give back to ourselves? And you've been someone that they turn to consistently. Yeah. And I, I'll never forget, you know, like when I first got on social media a long time ago, I, you were one of the first people that I followed. And through that time, it was like when your friend had passed. And I remember seeing just, I, I remember seeing through you and your experience and your vulnerability like what social media could be, you know, on the positive side, I was like, oh, wow. Like this is really something that there is this human element and there is this like vulnerability element that people are really drawn to and that people are really connecting with and that people are really finding peace with. And, you know, through Rachel's experiences and through your honest sharing and like these, I mean, I've cried for sure, you know, during that period in time when I would read those posts, it was so powerful. And, you have been like one of the leaders of creating social media to be something that could sustain a life, but also that can inspire and evoke emotion and create positive change. You know, when there is so much that is happening on social media that can, can be negative and, and bring you down. So thank you so much for that. That was so beautiful. <laughs> but just to get started for our girls, I would love to hear. So, you know, you are from Sweden, you know, Costa Rica, Aruba, you've done so much. You're a mom, you have a great husband, this booming businesses that are heart centered and you also give back. So how did you, you know, from when you started, when you grew up, like what was the original vision you had for your life when you were younger? And when did things start to take a turn where you were like, okay, I'm noticing that there is this path that is being provided and laid out for me and I need to follow it. That's such a, such an interesting question because I I could have never in a million years imagined that this would be my life. (laughs) You know, I mean, I I come from a, a, past that has been just overwhelmingly challenging. I, I struggle right now because I think if, if you've had a difficult childhood or you've overcome challenging things, and in my specific family, we have a lot of a lot of depression and suicide and death and just divorce and a lot of mess. And I've told that story so many times of how, how difficult everything was. 
And I'm kind of in my own spiritual practice right now of not rewriting that story, but it comes almost like with this little golden dust now when I think about it, because there was a lot of shit. It was really, really difficult, um, but it led me to this really beautiful place. And when I was young or when I was in kind of preteen, when I would, would think about my life, I just, everything was so challenging for me that I could not envision even a time where I would just be happy. I just, I didn't know what that feeling even was. It was just like, I came from so much struggle, so much hardship. I had a terrible relationship with myself, with my body. I just, I, there was no, I never remember having that future looking of, oh, one day, you know, things are going to be good or one day I'm going to have a family or one day. Um, so I, I don't even know really what I wanted to be, you know, when I, when I grew up, cause I was just working really hard to survive. So it's mm-hmm. funny to sit here now on the other end of that, like, oh, you know, <laughs> how things pan out in the end. You never know. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned when you were a teenager, things were really hard. Can you kind of get specific about that. I think a lot of people in their teens just kind of lose themselves. And, and so like, what did you turn to, to kind of numb um, those feelings? And then what was the turning point where you really started to go inward? Yeah. And I mean, if, if I look back, you know, I can look back at not just my own past, but then I have to look back at my parents and then I look at my grandparents. And so many of us, we, we come from this lineage of of trauma that's just passed on from, from generation to generation. And I think it's really hard to, to get away from if we have that history of, of struggle, which all of us in, in, in different shapes or forms, we all do. So when I was little, I was five years old when my mom uh, lost her husband or her fiance in a plane crash. Like the year they were supposed to get married, uh, we had just bought a house. It was this kind of happy time in our lives. And then he traumatically died and she tried to commit suicide. And it was kind of the beginning of beginning of my childhood, living with a mother who just didn't want to live. So for me, no matter what came my way, other challenges and things like that, that has been the biggest struggle of my life has been worrying about mm. my mother's health or kind of having this feeling like I am responsible for her well-being since I was five, since I was a little girl. So when I was little, I kind of, I was the perfect girl. You know, I remember I always had, did great in school, always cleaned my room, always did everything right. And then I hit 12 and was like, fuck this shit. (laughs) 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 Fuck my family, you know, and I became this total rebel and I turned toward alcohol was always kind of my main, my main go-to when I was, even when I was that young, but cigarettes, drugs, alcohol in huge quantities, shitty guys, shitty friends. I mean, yeah, just not good stuff. Yeah. It's like drawing in whatever's near to you. That's interesting. So my mom was suicidal for parts of my life. And, you know, I had like kind of, when you said you were perfect and you were doing everything right, I wrote down, I'm, I was a rebel. And so when you were 12, that's kind of the person I was, is it was like, I'm never going to be enough of a reason for you to love your life or be happy, or I'm never going to be enough where you see me as something you love enough to stick around. So I became a rebel too, and was just kind of like, all right, like I'm over this. I'm, I'm going to do whatever I want and, and found ways to numb too. So I can completely. Yeah. And I think it's natural. You know, I think everyone, we have to go through that as, as teenagers either way, but I think especially coming from coming from that challenging place, it's part of finding our own identity. We have to kind of throw everything up into the air of like, okay, life as I've known, it hasn't really worked out. 
or I've lived entirely for other people, or I have this idea of myself about myself that doesn't actually fit with who I am, you know? So I think for me, for me, I was always the fixer of things. You know, I was always the person who would put everything back together and try to make everybody happy and keep everyone connected. And I always failed. So I can look at that time now as like, it was a really great thing that I, that I was able to step into that place and be a rebel and go crazy and do all the stupid shit I had to do to find my own way. You know, otherwise maybe mm-hmm. I still would have been that little, you know, that small version of, of who I was supposed to become. Hmm. Yep. I totally know. I remember hanging out with certain people. I was like, I don't really like this. And then it was like finally realizing that being nice was cool. Being kind was cool. And I was like, okay, this kind of feels good. And this is kind of the path that I want to be on. Um, how did yoga come into your life? What was that journey like for you? Um, I, I started off, I found meditation first and it was, mm. uh, as kind of how all things go. So it was my mom who, who introduced me to meditation in the first place. So I kind of wow. got to go back to mm. the, to the root of some of my problems and then found this really big solution or not a solution, but a big tool to use to, to move that. Wow. So I got really into, um, I got really into Osho's teachings when I was about 17 and I was doing dynamic meditations and then I got into TM for a while and then the Pasana meditation. And I was just, it was a way for me to quiet my mind. That kind of, you know, especially as teenagers, I think that kind of judgmental, sometimes hateful voice that's in the back of your head telling you about all the things that, you know, you're not doing right or all the ways you're not good enough. I think meditation for me was the first time in my life that I could quiet that voice. So I didn't find, I didn't have one of those yoga awakenings, you know, that people have, they take a class and they're like, Oh my God, yoga, this is it. But for me, it was this <laughs> gradual practice of finding meditation. And then it took about two more years before I was, um, had a real moment on a, on a yoga mat. What did that consistency look like? Cause I, you know, I can imagine at that age, kids are kind of like drawn to different things and have just a little bit of an attention, a natural attention disorder because they want to try everything. So how did you consistently commit to meditation and, you know, besides quieting your mind, did you have downloads? Like how did you kind of explain that? Or did you just like have a knowing I, it was really hard. I remember it being really hard also because uh, if you don't have a community of people that that are into that same type of lifestyle, it's going to be, you know, you're going to be the odd one out or you're going to have to explain your, your life choices or it's just, it's really hard to shine if you're kind of surrounded in a, a yeah, of people who, who aren't shining in that same way or who are looking for different things. So all my friends, you know, we're still partying, still still doing drugs, still drinking a ton. And I was like, Hey, I want to maybe not get messed up tonight and maybe get up in the morning and meditate. And people were like, Oh my God, have, you know, I, she's lost it. Like what happened to me? <laughs> and for me, it took, it took actually leaving. Uh, I, I don't think I could have made my way to that place of real consistency in that practice. And in a way that would actually change my life if I hadn't left and, and, and found that genuine community of my own. And with your, you know, Instagram account, it's just, do you like, you know, you never really predicted it and you've always sort of cultivated this beautiful community online. What was like the moment where you're like, Oh my God, like this is really taking on a life of its own. I have so many eyes on me. And have you ever had 
vulnerability hangover. You know, sometimes when I'm sharing so openly and honestly on the podcast, I'll feel a little raw and I'll feel a little unsure, you know, about things that I'm sharing and if I should be sharing or not, or if it's fully baked or if I've processed it or if I've thought about every side of it. So I'd love to hear about, you know, your journey with the Instagram account and kind of that growth and then the vulnerability side of it. I think through the the Instagram piece, it was kind of a gradual thing. I think in the very beginning, I I had this idea that I was going to be this perfect yoga person and I wanted to inspire or you know, quote unquote, inspire. So I would be very proper and kind of do things the way my teachers had shown me. And uh, I would write out the poses and and, and Sanskrit and contradictions (laughs) and do this and not this. And and it's just not the type of person that I am, you know, and as a teacher, I'm not this structured, traditional type type teacher at all, but I was trying to show that version of myself. And it wasn't 100% authentic. And I think with as with anything that isn't authentic, it gets hard after a while. It becomes like something we have to do or a show we have to put on. And I had a big moment. There was a really big eye-opening moment for me. I was going through something, still can't remember exactly what the, the challenge was, but with my boyfriend, who's now my, my husband. And we were having a really hard time in our relationship, fighting about something. And I sat one day trying to think of this perfect caption to write with my, you know, whatever, hand spam <laughs> on a beach, you know, <laughs> yoga photo that I, that I had taken. And instead of sharing that, I just said, well, screw it. I'll just talk about what I'm feeling. And I shared something that was, that was really hard. I remember that feeling of, you know, is this okay to share? Can I, what's the response going to be? Are people going to think that I'm a weirdo or am I the only one going through this sort of stuff in my relationship? And I just shared something real. And the response I got was so much more heartfelt than anything else I'd seen up until that point. And then it was just so eye opening. like, oh, okay. I can actually, you know, speak the truth about even, even hard stuff and, and people, you know, engage in an even in an even more genuine way it just it brought me so much more and I never went back to that idea of, of having to be someone online it was super liberating and I've never had a the vulnerability hangover I, I hear people talk about that all the time mm-hmm. never had one <laughs> Mm, I don't I'm know. so jealous. I don't know. I, don't <laughs> I think know. that's true alignment though. <laughs> I think it's true alignment to just speak and feel and trust, you know, the way that you do and you, you just process quick, get it out. And I'm kind of still working on that. You know, I've never been one that really expressed fully how I was feeling. So I'm still working on it, but yeah, I definitely get that. Get that. <laughs> you know, it's also the practice of, I think, because I do it in groups, you know, it's one thing on a podcast with a mic and maybe yeah, there's people listening, but they're not right there looking at you. And same with Instagram. There's people reading, listening. They're not sitting in front of you. Um, I practice it with our teacher training groups, with our retreat groups. If I don't you know, hold the space for myself to be vulnerable, the group can't be vulnerable. And it's so hard. But mm. 20 times a year, I step into a group and I bear my heart and I cry and I you know, share whatever, whatever shit I'm going through that day. And it really is a practice mm. of just letting yourself open up in that way. And I think, I think it really works. Yeah. So the hangover, I think maybe comes from not having that, you know, that face to face action and in the same way. Mm. I highly recommend it. Mm. (laughs) You have um, a lot of touch points for people to communicate with you, express themselves and what they're going through and vice versa. 
So how do you kind of manage your energy as you consistently communicate through, you know, in person with your retreats and teacher training and then, you know, on Instagram and podcasts, it's like, how, how do you manage that and really take time for yourself? I I assume meditation, but as a part of it, but you know, women were really good multitaskers, but we're not always feeling amazing as we multitask. So how are you able to manage that? I don't know. Maybe you guys have advice for me. Like, how do you... Girl. Life force energy. I mean, it's it's so hard. It's super hard. Do you get overwhelmed? Like, does it just some days... Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I have an example from this morning. So I'm I'm at my studio right now, my my yoga studio in Aruba. I have an office in the back and we have 50 people in class. And what I will do if I'm feeling okay, I'm not super feeling, you know... I don't want to leave this class and talk to a thousand people or immediately go out into our cafe. And like, you know, it's like, it's just this overwhelming sense. So I have this unspoken agreement with the girls who work at the studio where sometimes I'll just kind of leave the shala and I won't say, I leave a little early or I won't say anything. I won't take the time to kind of talk to everybody afterwards. And I just sneak out and then I hide Mm -hmm. in my office and I ask someone, Hey, can you grab me a coffee instead of go out in the cafe? And I feel sometimes like a shitty person, like, Hey, it's my, responsibility to be out there and talk to every single person that's here all day. Because what if someone came here and they're here once and they want to say hi and I'm here, but I'm, you know, I'm not giving them that chance. And I used to do that. And I would just totally overexert myself in a way where I felt like, yeah, you know, actually my job is to conserve my energy. So if I have that kind of day where I feel like I can't take that, that, that intense yeah, that an overwhelming amount of people, then I have to give myself that break. But I still don't know how to do it without without feeling a little guilty. Like, like I'm hiding yeah. in my office. You know, it's a weird, it's a weird thing, Respect. but I, it's super hard. I don't know. We've been like, when we, so when we do events or retreats or even more so when we're like watching like the greats, you know, speaking, I'll always notice it's like they come in right when they start, they leave a few seconds early to just be out to kind of not, you know, get in that energy all the time of like engaging so much with people. It's really interesting. You know, sometimes people will, of course, but the practices that we've seen of like some of the big people, it's like protecting their energy. Um, and it's funny with, you know, sometimes with us too, I'll feel that where we'll have people where I'm like, Oh, I feel guilty that I'm not connecting more. Like if we see someone on the street, I'm like, I'm like following them around. They like want to get me to get away from them. Cause I feel like I need to give them so much, but a lot of times it's like, you've already given them so much, you know, like that's what I try and remember is that like the free content every week on the podcast, like this is my life. And I work every day to provide them everything that I'm hopeful that they could get from it. And so for you, it's like, you already give them your entire life's work and everything that you do is for the community and for the people that you serve. So it's like, you can't really give them any, anymore. Yeah, but it's hard to find that line. I mean, it's really hard to find that balance. I think totally. in every in every area, especially if you have that, you know, if, if it's real and it's heartfelt and you know, it's not, it's not fake. Like if I go out there and I talk to people, it's going to be yes. so genuine and heartfelt and they're here for really important reasons. I think, I think it's just a constant practice of learning how to, how to figure that out. And I think sometimes it's also okay to decide like, Oh, I'm on now. And then I can rally mm-hmm. and I can get a thousand people and it's no problem. But then I need two days to be totally alone and no one talk to me. 
<laughs> to kind of fill that back totally, up. Totally. And with that, so with your retreat center, with your the online platform and with your three nonprofits and then your Instagram and then your family, everything like that. But more specifically to the business, you are a very spiritual person. You know, you are very connected to source. You are very connected to mother earth. You are very connected to yourself and your soul. How do you, or I guess what I'm getting to is the fact that oftentimes it's hard to merge spirituality and business and be a business person and um, make enough money to sustain yourself and support others. So how do you find those two worlds have collided for you where you could be both a spiritual person in business? I mean, if you want to live any semblance of, you know, a normal life, I mean, I'm, I'm not sitting on some mountaintop in the Himalayas, you know, meditating 15 hours a day. If you want to combine these two worlds, they they have to align somehow. And I think that the idea of, of, of tapping into spirituality or being a spiritual person automatically means that you shun any type of material life or abundance. Um, it's really outdated and it's just not true. And I mean, having a, a business should be a part of your sp- spiritual practice because it's something that you're creating with your intentions, with your work, with your time every single day. So if it's not part of my spiritual practice, then what am I even doing? You know, and I think that that whatever intention we set for our business, there's always that underlying reason of, of why is it? It's not just to make money. I mean, I don't think anybody really does, you know, anyone who feels any type of fulfillment with what they do, it's not really purely about the money in the end. And I think the more intention you can find in whatever it is you're doing, the more spiritual that aspect of your life is going to be. And I can see that so easily when I am tapped in and tuned in and in my practice, everything around my business comes with ease too, because I know what decisions to make. And if I get caught up in the idea of something else, like success for the reason of success, or I'm struggling uphill, not listening to the signs that are kind of around telling me to go another direction. And I lose that, that spiritual aspect of, of building the business, then it's super hard. And I get tired and I feel burnt out and, you know, all these other symptoms come along the way where I think if you treat your business as a part of your spiritual practice, it should be, yeah, material abundance, but you're also providing something super heartfelt to people who really need it. So it's not really about, about money. It's about providing something much bigger than that. As it relates to the business, what is your relationship with time? You know, I think we live in this like social media world where like followings are growing at an exponential rate and we have to be the first to do this and we're behind on this and we don't have this. So how do you kind of manage that relationship and be as present as possible? I think, I mean, I, I know for a fact now that if I, whenever I have my, my phone in my hand, I'm not going to be 100% present with whatever it is I'm doing. So that idea of the multitasker, which is is a part of myself that I love <laughs> and I can get so many things done and be super efficient. And when I got pregnant and we were building the studio, I had this idea of, oh, we're going to have a baby room here. So we built uh, a room for her. It says I have my office here and the next door is it was the baby room with a crib and a diaper changing station and toys and and I was like, I'm going to be one of those people who just, you know, the baby's around and, and he's going to grow up at the studio. I'm going to do my trainings and retreats and she'll be all the time here with me when I work, which was a really nice thought <laughs> until I had her and realized that holy fucking shit, having a baby is, you know, 
all-consuming, all-consuming. And for me, the idea of, of just trying to, to divide the, the time spent with her while doing something else, uh, those months, the first months of being a mom trying to do that were the hardest of my adult life, for sure. I felt guilty every day, all the time. Every meeting I took, even just breastfeeding while doing something else, because I wasn't 100% there with her and I was trying to give someone else attention, but I didn't want to be with them. I just wanted to be with her. So I was doing this kind of half-assed job, wanting to be somewhere, somewhere else. And it took about, took about eight months, actually, of trying to juggle all those things to, to figure it out. And it's that multitasking, it works for certain areas, but not if you want to give something 100% of your presence and energy the way you want a child or you know, any relationship that's super, super important and vital. So we, I decided if I, if I ever have another kid, um, I'm retiring <laughs> or I'm going to take mm. a, a whole year off and not do groups. And, you know, I'll, I'll make a lot of changes. There, it was a big learning process for sure. Yeah. Your girl is so Angel. <laughs> she is so cute. It should be illegal. <laughs> it is like, how are you so adorable? <laughs> crazy, crazy. But I never had Did that you before where, you know, I love doing a lot of things at the same time. You know, I love it. Like I love feeling efficient. And it was the first moment of my life where I realized, oh, I don't want to be efficient here. I just want to be here. Nothing else. And it was easy to make that, you know, to make that choice. There's nothing else that's ever going to be more important than her. But it took it took a long time <laughs> to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, can you talk can you, you know, I just and I read I read your post with her and she just seems like such a special little being and you know, the spirituality of motherhood. So it's like what, you know, you're multitasking, you're doing all the things more in the masculine and then the allowing and the feminine with, with your beautiful girl. Can you talk about, you know, how you've seen source come through you with your relationship with her? And then even as the family unit, like, what has that been like seeing, you know, God universe in her and your family now that you have this daughter? I mean, it's, it's really hard to, to explain even um, because I have these moments with her every day uh, where normally or before becoming a mom, I would have to kind of orchestrate something. You know, I'd have to roll out my mat, turn off my phone and like, okay, everybody go away. Here's my time for me. Do my practice, do my pranayama, do my, you know, do the thing basically to tap into this place where I felt really connected. And then I would have moments in my day to day, you know, a really beautiful sunset or a super special moment with my husband or, you know, moments where I would have that, that glimpse of just peace, but it, it was always really brief and it was always, um, you know, a lot of space of doing in between the being and with her, because she just is right. Even if she's in a tantrum or she's, you know, we're in a challenging moment and she's screaming because of whatever reason she just is, there's no attachment to, to anything, you know, around that. And she pulls me into that all the time, again and again, all the time, every day. And it's short moments, but it, I mean, we can go from just walking down the street to her just kind of melting into me. And I just get 15 seconds of like, Oh my God, you know, it's, it's, it's like union of, of it's hundred percent God source spirit, whatever you whatever you call it. And I find that if I'm able to be present with her, I can catch that and melt with her. But if I'm busy doing, then it's like, oh, okay, mommy loves you, but I don't have time right now. Um, so it's also been that practice of just realizing that maybe those opportunities are here all the time. We just have to find the people or 
or sometimes they're animals or it's nature or it's yoga. I mean, it's something, but the more we surround ourselves with that, I think the the more beautiful our lives are going to be for sure. But she's, she's my little mm-hmm. guru. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of uh, women in our, our community are moms um, or soon to be moms. How did you, how did you nourish yourself during your pregnancy? And then as um, you know, right around like when you gave birth and had this being that you were taking care of and you also have a husband and a business. So it's like, how did you nourish yourself both with food, with, you know, maybe new practices that started to make more sense? For me, the, the, the bigger change I think I did in terms of nourishment becoming pregnant was, was my pace actually. So I have a fairly healthy diet. I mean, I'm I'm vegan. Actually, when I was pregnant, I, I was in a phase of being vegetarian, but it wasn't so much about my, my input of things. It was more that I had too much input of too many things all the time and moving at a pace that was just really intense and always creating and building and doing and listening and reading. I mean, it was this constant and you can look at it from food or caffeine or, you know, whatever intake you have physically, but it's also this intake of information from all around all the time. That just keeps us going at a really high pace. So for me, nourishment came from not being physically able to do things at the same pace. It's just my body started hurting in ways it never had before. I was slow. I got really huge. I mean, all those things that you just can't can't control. So I, I had to slow down. I had to take baths. I had to, you know, take more time to do the things that I normally would do really quickly. And I find that through that, that was the most nourishing thing for me was just figuring out that, that it, I can actually create the same amount of magic and operate at a pace that, that allows for me to be here. And I never, it never really clicked before because I'm a fast paced mm-hmm. person. I mean, a lot of us is, um, but, but actually mm-hmm. food in terms of nourishment in that way, I didn't have one of those big, you know, some, some women get pregnant and they're like, oh, you know, I realized so much about body and food and cravings. I didn't really have that. I ate a lot of ice, weirdly. <laughs> I've heard that Nutritious. before. I've heard that literally. Were you, were you um, nauseous a lot? In the beginning, like a couple of weeks, but throughout the whole pregnancy, I would get one of those like giant, like gallon mason jars of ice from our ice machine at home. Oh my God. Yeah, and it's so bad for your teeth. But that's what I so bad but whatever super weird it's comforting (laughs) i would like forego the ice and just be like i'm having coconut ice cream like i feel like my body would be like you want ice i'd be like i want ice cream (laughs) oh my gosh the crunch yeah your poor teeth (laughs) but that's a really good craving i'm i'm supportive of that craving so Lindsay and i we mentioned we were just in costa rica um for a week and we were actually doing a ceremony. We had four plant medicine ceremonies with ayahuasca, which was really beautiful. Yeah, it was our our first first dip in, in the water and it was just really magical. And I know that um, in some of just what you've talked about and a few times you've mentioned when you talked about, you know, lineages of your family and um, healing of them, that, that reminded me of something that I kind of experienced during my ayahuasca journey. And then something else you mentioned was looking at your past at the situations, like, especially with your family and, you know, your mother's 
uh, not wanting to live, bringing you to meditation. So it's those connections that are often made in ceremony that help you to see the beautiful situations that were brought out of pain in your life to bring you to where you are. Can you talk about your experience with that and some of uh, the beautiful things that have come through during some of your ceremonies? It's it's my favorite thing. I mean, sitting in circle with people, it's so underrated and it's so simple, you know, and it doesn't even, and I think a lot of us, you know, in the Western world, we have this idea that to sit in ceremony, we have to go to Costa Rica or we have to be at a yoga studio. We have to create this adventurous experience and find a shaman or you know, it's entirely possible to sit in circle with our friends, with our family, with people who we love every day, every week. We try to do it at the studio here with uh, the, the girls who teach and, and my, my team that every week we sit in circle and we meditate and we share and we have a theme and, and you can create ceremony out of that. But some of my most life-changing, you know, spiritually awakening moments have been in 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 through plant medicine in ceremony and in that way that you guys, I would love to hear more about your experience. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I had a really intense, intense, wow, like super, that I actually just wrote about. Uh, It was my first ever experience in cacao ceremony with a Mm. really beautiful shaman who, it's a very long story, but who basically I had, I had the experience where I, could see my mom and my dad behind me. And then behind my mom was her mom and her dad. And behind my dad was his mom and his dad. So like behind me, I was at the tip of this triangle of people. So my whole ancestry behind me. And I could see and feel in my heart and and throughout that ceremony, all the pain and all the trauma and all the, the, the struggle that had been passed on and how it was totally inevitable, just totally inevitable. And it brought brought with it for me this total clearing of any resentment that I'd held from my own parents in terms of whatever pain they, you know, inevitably caused me because I realized that they had no choice, right? All of these things came their way. So they grew up and became this type of person who didn't know how to do anything different than exactly this. And if they could have done better, they would have done better, like of course. And all the resentment that I had for, for, for a lot of different things, it just, washed away in that moment, realizing that every single person here did the best they could with what they had. Um, Even, you know, where there was abuse and there was, you know, really intense, heavy things. And then this shaman, I mean, I was 20, I think. Yeah, 20 years old. Um, And he was walking me through this. And then he said, it's very interesting because you're one of few people I've met in my life who have a very clear life purpose. And I'm going to tell it to you now. And I was like, <laughs> you know, what's my purpose? Tell yeah. me. You're 20. You're like, oh. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. And he told me, he said, you come from a, from a, from a lineage of people that carry an intense amount of pain and you'll be the first one in, in your entire, uh, out of all of your ancestors, you'll be the first one, uh, to release this pain throughout your lifetime. And when you have a daughter, she mm. won't pass it on to her. Wow. And he said that when you have a daughter, I was 20 years old. Um, she'll be the first one born in your family who won't carry this pain because you'll spend your lifetime releasing oh. it. And it was so clear as true. I mean, and this was 10 years ago and now I have a daughter and it's just, wow. it's just so evidently clear. And also with a lot of the healing that I've gone through with my mom since being pregnant. And we talk about this stuff all the time. I mean, all the time. And it's, it's, it's totally true. <laughs> Super mm. Oh my gosh. Totally I love that. It's like, it's a beautiful 
you know, we're, we're fresh, we're real fresh, two days fresh. fresh. I've been like crying all the time, (laughs) but it's like, you know, it's a sense of just pride that, you know, because it is really, really hard work. And so even though, you know, our parents are probably not going to do ayahuasca (laughs) to, to heal that you know, strained energetic cord that I attached to them and, and resented them for, you know, for that to dissolve and to see them for who they really are is something that like does feel like when I have kids, like it's just not going to exist for them. And just, I just think that's so beautiful and, and you should be so, so proud. And the other thing you mentioned about being in ceremony, I mean, I've never experienced a ceremony, ceremonies like we did during plant medicine. And I just, it like, it brought me to tears every time because we lose that sense that our life is just a string of these beautiful little ceremonies, you know, like every moment. And this is what someone, you know, during our retreat said, like every moment is your altar. So how, and I know that your yoga, um, your yoga studio and, and how you teach and I'm sure as how you teach others incorporates, you know, different ways to create ceremony and just to go deeper in every moment. So can you like, for, for those that might not ever take your class, although they can get it online, but, um, where they can create ceremony in their everyday lives. I mean, you don't even anything we do is always amplified by others. You know, the community aspect is so important of everything we do. So it's always going to be harder to sit in meditation alone than it's going to be with people who are also in meditation around you. Cause we kind of, we create that light and then we share it with, with everybody else, but little rituals in your day to day that you can do alone um, to remind you that, you know, life is not just a string of, a, this never ending to-do list, you know, sometimes we wake up in the day and it's just one thing after the other of the things we think we have to do. And some things we have to do, we have to feed the kids. We have to go to work. We have to, have to, have to, have to. Um, but every single moment throughout that day can also be infused with this absolute feeling of, of reverence and purpose. If we make space for that and it requires another type of looking. Um, I have a really good friend of mine who I, we have a lot of inside jokes about it, but she's so intensely, intensely in tune with spirit at all times that no matter what challenge comes your way, it's medicine. So we have these inside jokes where like someone has, I don't know, someone backed into the car and it's like, oh, it's car medicine. You know, it's like, if you look at life that way, it's super beautiful you know so getting sick you know it's some sort of medicine that you need in that moment to release whatever old or whatever pattern or whatever realization had to come from that and i think having rituals in our day-to-day beginning or ending or both uh with create carving out that sacred time for yourself it can totally change change your whole day um whether it's having a gratitude practice in the morning or rolling out your mat or sitting in silence or sharing with a friend or um i'll pick an angel card like in a day, if I'm just, I'm on the go, you know, and then that card will tell me something and it will say, you know, it was my card yesterday, uh, friendship, my daughter picked for me, friendship. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I take the time to call three of my friends, but just because I got that reminder and then I had a really heartfelt conversation and then I got to cry. And then it's like created this whole thing out of my day, just from having that little nudge of saying, Hey universe, 
talk to me. You know? Like there is something greater mm-hmm. out there that I have to lean on and rely on um, in a sense, you know, leaning into the not knowing, I think is what opens up that space for, for feeling those sacred moments all the time, knowing that we're not in control. So creating ceremony for yourself. I mean, anyone can, can do it really anytime. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting with the card pulling. It's like sometimes with cards, it's the universe is reacting to you and giving you a card to give you a message. And then in that sense, it's like you're reacting to the universe. So you didn't really know the message, but you kind of created the message, mm-hmm. you know, by of calling course. your three friends, which is really beautiful. Um, last question for me. I just want to um, talk about your, you know, foundations and, you know, make sure our girls know that if there's ways to get involved, that they can do that. Thank you. That's, that's so sweet. I don't know which one to choose. <laughs> we have three, All of them. three, All of them. three major <laughs> initiatives that I, that I work with, but that, that our newest one, it's called Yoga Girl Foundation. It's a brand new foundation. We fight child abuse and on the island where I live, but actually in every country of the world, physical sexual abuse and neglect toward children is really prevalent and something that people don't don't talk about because it's a really heavy subject to talk about. But especially here where I live and in this part of the world, it's this thing that happens daily behind closed doors. So we have mm-hmm. launched a new initiative to ensure the well-being and safety of the kids um, here. And hopefully this is a project we can take global and take into other communities as well. It's it's new and it's exciting. And for me, it's a, it's a really heavy, heavy door to open. Um, and it, it reminds me every day the balance of touching touching the painful things and then coming back into the light, whether it's within ourselves and our own spiritual practice of whatever is brought out through ceremony, the vulnerability, this, the work that we do every day, but then not forgetting that it can't end with us. You know, we have to take whatever strength we source from there and then look up and look around and say, okay, who needs it? You know, who doesn't have the chance? There's people out there who could never in a million years think about the idea of, you know, having time to sit down and draw angel cards in the morning. Like, holy shit, what a privilege. Go to retreats, do yoga, have the time, the money, the energy, the support to to have that kind of lifestyle. It's a huge privilege and we have Mm. to use it um, to help people in need. There's just no other, no other option. So I always encourage everyone, it doesn't have to be through my foundations, but anyone, everyone can be of service every day. So just all we have to do is look up and sometimes ask, you know, if you don't know, tell the universe, I'm, I want to be of service, use me. Um, and I promise you something is going to, is going to come your way. Um, and last question from me, um, your marriage, you know, I think it's, uh, from what I gather, you know, on Instagram and just, you know, following you that, you know, there is a sacredness to your relationship, but I'm sure it doesn't feel like that all the time. So I'd love to know how you maintain connection now that you have a daughter, as your business continues to thrive and grow, um, as you travel, um, are there practices, check-ins, things that you do that really serve that relationship? We, I mean, this is, it's been a really challenging thing for us. I think with any new parent, there's I think especially for the dad, it's a little bit more of a shock having a baby, how consuming it is. So for us, we have this habit of of, of doing check-ins throughout the day, like, do we need alone time? And the answer to that question is almost always yes. 
Um, so we have kind of, um, yes. sometimes my, my husband jokes that our day, like our day, him and I begins at seven because that's when we put the baby down. So even though it's mm-hmm. nice to have dinner with her and we do things as a family, oftentimes we'll have like a fake dinner with her and then we put her down and then we light candles and we sit and we do something just oh. for us. And we, we do that every day. I mean, every day we never let work go, wow. go past, past that time so that we have that time to tune in. And he actually has a bigger need than me for that, that space, that alone time, that intimacy. I can go a whole week and kind of, you know, get frazzled or get busy. Um, and he's always the one to be the first one to remind like, Hey, we need date night. Oh shit. Yes. We need date night. Um, and then we do that. And sometimes actually I had this kind of emergency this week where my passport is expiring and I'm in Aruba and I have to go to Sweden for a new passport. And it's, it's this whole thing. And I have to find an embassy to go a Swedish embassy somewhere to go get a, you know, this weird thing. And my husband is like, Oh my God, let's make a romantic trip out of it. Oh, we're taking a 24-hour trip to Bogota in the morning <laughs> to get a passport yes. expedited. It's not a cute Good hotel and a nice restaurant. I mean, you know, we do our best. Yeah. Oh, I love truly. that. I mean, what is she going to think when she finds out about these fake dinners? <laughs> She's going to be like, what the heck? You guys have been lying to me for years. When she gets out of her crib and she's like, oh my God. She's going to walk in one day. What's going on? Hey, I'm walking, by the way. Yeah, honestly. Like, I've been watching this forever. <laughs> oh, well, you are a delight and a joy. And I'm so grateful for the work that you have and for taking the time for us and Almost 30 Podcast and Almost 30 Nation. Um, where can our lovely community connect with you? Um, yogagirl.com. I have classes and retreats and trainings and podcasts and all sorts of lo- lovely things on there and on Instagram, yogagirl. And can I just say, I'm so yes. grateful that you guys had me on the show. You are just awesome people. And thank you for spreading oh, the light oh. and doing the work. It's so important. And I so, so value you both. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much. much. That and, means a lot. You know, her, her podcast is amazing. It's one of my favorites. And the one with Rachel Cargill was mm-hmm. like incredible. So I really thank you for that conversation too. She's a friend of the pod and yeah. So start there, but go through all of them. They're thank incredible. You. And can we do thank another podcast so where you guys tell me about your plant medicine experience? Yes. Oh yes, girl. Yes. <laughs> I was like, you're like the words that you were saying, I was like, those were like specific words. I'm like lineage. Oh my God. Come, do <laughs> Come do a retreat over here and then tell me all about it. Done. I'm so done. done. I'm so done. That. I'll be like, she'll be like, it'll be a day when you're in the back. I'll be like, she's in the back. Like, I promise she said I could come in the- to say hi. <laughs> be like, no, but she's hiding. Yeah, honestly. We'll break down the door. <laughs> yeah, literally. I'll be the one bringing you coffee. I'm like, hello. <laughs> Psycho. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for your time. We can't wait to meet you in person. That'll probably happen this year. Yes. Yes. Goals. Um, Thanks so much, lady. Keep the the photos and videos of the babe coming. We love the little girl. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much, Rachel. Um, And we're just really honored to be introduced to your community as well. We know they're so special. So we're grateful for you. Please visit yogagirl.com. You can also visit yogagirlfoundation.com. And they actually have their first uh, project launching in July of 2019. So you can sign up for 
uh, their newsletter and follow them on Instagram at Yoga Girl Foundation. Awesome. I love that so much. Thank you so very much. We will see you guys on tour and let's read our review of the week. Yeah, I got you. Uh, love, five stars. I love what these women bring to the table. They curate incredible guests and interviews in a way that's casual and honest, but also asks the really important questions we want answers to. Also, they genuinely care about their listeners like a big community of friends, which is really beautiful. Thank you for doing what you do. That's from Allie in Canada. Oh, Thanks, we love girl. our Canadian fam. Thank you so much, honey. Appreciate the reviews. It is such a easy, free, kind way to show this podcast some love. We bring this content to you for free every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, but we love you and catch us on tour. Almost30podcast.com slash tour. And again, we have some new, new coming from your podcast pro. So stay tuned for that. If you're starting a podcast or have one in existence already, we have the resources for you new and improved coming your way. So pumped about that. Awesome. We'll see you guys on the next one. Have a great, great day. Later.